Queen, and welcome to a bonus episode of The Real True Facts Monster Mash. My name is Mariska Hargitay. And I am David McClyde. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. We, we pulled a sneaky on you because this is a bonus episode. It's not Friday. It is Halloween. So happy Halloween to all of our dear listeners around the world. And we thought we couldn't get enough Monster Mash, so we wanted to bring you a little bonus episode uh, in celebration of our holiday. Yeah, uh, a little bit of extra content. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one for you. So we've called our entire series for the month of October Monster Mash. As you know, we have shoved it down your throats on our Instagram, uh, on our shows uh, the past, what is it, four episodes now? This is four and a half. Yes, four, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, so by the time uh, our listeners hear this, they'll have heard uh, the fourth and final Monster Mash yes. episode, and so this is just a little uh, a dessert. Yeah, little dessert, little cherry on the top. Uh, we wanted to do this for Halloween. You get your tricks and your treats. Uh, so we do have a treat for you today. Uh, because we've called it the Monster Mash, we thought... What better way to celebrate by actually talking about the Monster Mash? We've been thrown around a lot, but tonight we have screenwriter Colin. Uh, whoa, stay back. Wow. But tonight we have screenwriter Connor Sullivan. Uh, he has written a feature length biopic about the life and career of Bobby Boris Pickett. That's the man who wrote and performed the hit comedy song Monster Mash uh, back in the uh, 60s, I believe. And he is an expert on Boris Pickett. I've never met anyone who is an expert on this person. Uh, so please welcome Connor to the show. Hi, Connor. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I mean, again, I, I, I might know more about Bobby Boris Pickett than any other human ever on the planet. So <laughs> that's what we're counting on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when was the song uh, written and I guess written and or released? I don't know if it was the same time period. It was. You know, he was uh, Bobby was a, a kid from Massachusetts who went to L.A. to be famous in the early 60s. And then he. Uh, for, he started a, a band. It was a, a sort of a four freshman type singing group with some guys, and uh, they just wanted to get rich quick. So, in I think it was 1962, they decided, "Hey, there are all these novelty songs like Purple People Eater and mm, all stuff yeah. like that. We should just cash in and, and write one that makes a lot of money." So, uh, you know, they spent a lot of time on it. They spent 30 minutes, and uh, uh, they wrote and recorded the original version in 30 minutes. And then I believe the actual recording took about an hour. <laughs> and, that's that's uh, like how we do. <laughs> yeah. And so pretty much that, that in 30 minutes, one song that has been around for almost 60 years now and is used in almost every single piece of Halloween content. Like I just saw uh, Hubie Halloween. The opening song is Monster Mash. And yeah. Anything said at Halloween has to have this song in it. So yeah. – now I'm curious, you said the original version and then they recorded a version. Were there any differences between what they originally wrote and, you know, and what was recorded? Was there, you know, any little filthy tidbits or anything like that? Uh, that I, w- I, w- it <laughs> I wish it got filthy. I mean, it's he, he got filthier in other songs, other monster novelty songs, which we could discuss in a second. But wait, you know, more, more monster <laughs> novelty songs. Yeah, I mean, that's the catch here is that uh, after the Monster Mash, Bobby spent 40 years chasing that high and recorded, I mean, by my count, at least 40 to 50 other Halloween novelty songs and some non-Halloween novelty songs that are just awful. I I read the lyrics to some of them in your script, uh, which we'll get into shortly, but um, 
And, and you, you make a note in the script saying like, these are the real lyrics. <laughs> this is the song. And man, some of them are just atrocious. Yeah. I mean, in the seventies, he recorded uh, a two different sort of Woodstock themed uh, monster songs called the monster man jam and the monster concert. <laughs> uh, in the eighties, he did a monster rap and in the 90s, he did like a guitar one called It's Alive, where uh, Frankenstein can really shred on guitar. <laughs> wow. So it's just he kept trying to match the high of the Monster Mash and just failed every single time. Uh, but no matter what, the song kept charting. So he would keep getting these opportunities because he would, he would start to get some income and some touring opportunities. Every, you know, every other year, it would just pop back up on the charts again. Yeah, and when we're when we're reading the script, which I revisited today, it had been a minute, so I revisited it. Um, and th- there were so many times in the movie where he's trying to break out of the whole monster realm of entertainment. I I imagine he wanted to be an actor. He was a good-looking guy who could do impressions. And people were surprised that he was this young guy doing a Boris Karloff impression. And so yeah. that just sort of followed him his entire career um, and and kind of a, a very raunchy life. I, it seems like in, in your script, if he's not recording a Monster Mash parody, he's hooking up with <laughs> like 100 chicks. Yeah, well, that's because I, I bought his memoir. Um, I found when I, I got obsessed with him because I heard one of his Monster Mash sequels, The Monster Swim, which is a poolside smash, and it's the exact same song, melody, as The Monster Mash. Uh, and I got obsessed with him, and I, I bought his self-published memoir off Amazon for like $40, and uh, 90% of it is just every single woman he slept with. <laughs> it's just a, it's a laundry list of, you know, yeah, every celebrity he hooked up with, every one, there was like a, a paragraph about a three way he had in Africa. Like, just, just, con- and he barely talks about the Monster Mash, too. There's maybe a page of content oh about the God. actual song. It's mostly a laundry list of women he slept with. Well, I mean, giving the, the listeners what they want, uh, wh- who's uh, the most famous celebrity that, uh, that he slept with? <laughs> Um, it is Cloris Leachman. Yes. <laughs> he had a, a longstanding affair with Cloris Leachman in the 70s when he was sort of kind of back and he was sort of uh, rebranding himself as a comedy star. And he had a, a month, or two, month or two long fling with her, uh, the Boris and Cloris years, he called them. Boris and Cloris, oh my gosh. Wow. So what – what compelled you? Because I imagine you would have to be compelled by a force greater than yourself to become so fascinated with a man like this. I think just when I, if you watch the video for the Monster Swim, his sequel, which he performs on American Bandstand for Dick Clark, uh, it, it, you're watching this man's career just die because he's recording. It's a sequel to a song everyone had already forgotten at that point. And I just got when I started to find out he had recorded you know, hours of other songs. I just, I, I'm a, I'm a music obsessive like that. So I just wanted to hear everything and everything was just so fascinatingly bad. Like just, he, he missed the point as to why the monster mash is beloved. I think he thought uh, people just want to hear me do all types of songs like this (laughs) when everyone is just like, no, we want one song. That's Mm -hmm. all we need is this single song. And I, again, when I, when I found out he had written a book, I just was, 
so fascinated by this man who I just thought had recorded one thing and went on to a normal life. And then I found out he had had this yeah, insane life full of yeah, sex. He was a uh, there was a point when he had to make money in the 70s and 80s. He became a South American drug runner. <laughs> He yeah. was taking trips to Colombia to sneaking cocaine into like car engines. Yeah, and, and driving a limo and yeah. working oh, yeah. on a golf course. He and... was a limo driver, a personal limo driver for Lauren Michaels in the heyday of Saturday That's Night Live in the 70s. Oh and yeah, he was that. He was a groundskeeper at a nudist colony. And like he just he held so many crazy jobs all under the guise of, well, this is just until the Monster Mash puts me on top again. And then yeah. that was his life for 40 more years. <laughs> 40 years. So uh, so he was, uh, you know, he moved out to, to L.A. to become successful. He wrote the Monster Mash uh, and, and they recorded it with this group. And so he was successful then for this uh, initial burst or. In a way, he was successful sort of in the, in the sense that he was famous and could, you know, tour and do sock hop uh, gigs. But he didn't make any money off of it until the 90s because the deal that he signed was so shitty that he just like uh, his his manager who also produced the song basically took everything. You know, wow. the classic like, you know, yeah, taking advantage of, kind of stuff. Yeah, taking advantage of. So the, he, he was part of a group then. Uh, did they break up immediately or what happened it to was, this group? They were basically, they were basically nothing. It was uh, one of the other people in the group is his co-writer, Lenny Capizzi, who, who, who wrote the mash and, and some other of Bobby's songs. Uh, they were just sort of a, we're singing at an Italian restaurant every week. They were not very successful. And I think the monster mash was sort of born out of desperation of, we got to find something that hits and then we'll use that to capitalize and have sincere success. So I think, uh, you know, Capizzi, the co-writer, really resented the monster match, I think, until he died. Uh, and he also <laughs> died very tragically. Everyone, no one in this story ends well. Yeah, much. I mean, it, it's reading your script. It's a very sad story. Um, he has some heartfelt moments in there, which I think you do a really great job of, of crafting these really tender moments amidst such heartbreak. And honestly, the life of kind of a D-list guy because I think he started out as a comedian. He did impressions and he wanted to make it big and, and move to LA. And he's he had a lot of uh, you know, bad relationships. I, I think at one point he had a, a son pass away. And so he just had a lot of these really difficult moments and, you know, not to um, kind of crush the, the heartfelt sadness, but it almost reminded me of Walk Hard um, yeah. at the end where Dewey Cox is reflecting on his entire life and he has all these kids and he's just done so many terrible things. And then he has to come back for one last performance, which is kind of how we, we end it with Bobby in the, in your story. Yeah. It ends with a climactic heartfelt, uh, performance of his 2004 anti-George W. Bush song, the climate mash. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. But you can find that there's a horrible like flash animation video that it was like he was hired to sing a parody of the Monster Mash. It wasn't his. He didn't write these lyrics. Um, but it, I, I too kind of saw the humor in it. I just like I wanted to give him this big, powerful arc. But then at the end, he is still recording like a parody of a parody. And, and theme park tours. Oh yeah, yeah. He would do yeah. theme park tours. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he was a big mainstay at this Massachusetts uh, theme park called Spooky World. Where you would just hear, and he didn't sing any other songs, just the Monster Mash. 
Sure. Like none of none of the other songs off his LP or his. Nobody his, was in the crowd going, "Hey, Monster Swam." Nobody was like, "Hey, play the Werewolf Watusi." Yeah. <laughs> so all right, so we're looking at uh, the Monster Mash, and then uh, it sounds like his whole life story is what Monster Mash, then what forty years of debauchery, and then death. <laughs> That's pretty um, much it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure at least I, at least I, I get the, cause I, I've not read the script since it's, you know, words on a page, but yeah, he doesn't I, read. Oh, yeah. Fair. But so I want to make sure that I get the, the, the bullet points down and you know, there's a whole lot of fun in between, but uh, I mean, did he ever get married or have any kids or uh, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, he, he got married a couple times. Uh, one marriage in particular, he had a son and then, um, uh, for some reason, this is in the IMDb fun facts about Bobby Boris Pickett. The first fun fact is that he had a son that uh, tragically died after wandering into the ocean when he was three. Oh, well, that's fun. Jeez, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I, I had to put that in the movie. It was hard to, in a, in a comedically. Well, it humanizes him, I think. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the thing about Bobby is um, anyone else, any other kind of one hit wonder would be beaten down uh, and have humility after having their hit and losing it. But the problem with Bobby is the song kept coming back. So he kept having the second and third and fourth chances that one hit wonders don't get. And then he would just continue to blow them. (laughs) So really the first, uh, I can't, I'm having a hard time of thinking of other, you know, like five hit wonders. Um, You know, it's a one hit wonder times, whatever, five or six. uh, And uh, you know, it happens with some large stars where, you know, they're, they're, their, their big hit will come back on the charts. But in his case, it was just the same song haunting him. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, there's only a couple bands that have had the same kind of chart success and it's people like the Beatles. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a couple other charting, uh, you know, songs here and there um, that'll pop up. Um, but him, wow. That's, I have to ask, do you uh, have a personal favorite or favorites uh, aside from the Monster Mash from all of these others that he's written? I do. I, 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 um, I you know, I, I went down a real dark web uh, search a couple of years ago to find every recording he'd ever made. And, you know, most of it is just garbage because it's a lot of bad comedy skit type things yeah. where he like, you know, there's a version of uh, he does a Star Trek parody called Star Drek. Which is is just is almost unlistenable. So uh, is it Star Drek? Drek, where he's like, "Beam me up, snotty!" Like, oh, that, I'm like, what is the Drek? I don't even. It's, it's, yeah, it's, Drek, as in, uh, yeah, he's describing his own work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's really nightmarish. I have a fondness for some of the earlier like songs that because they had to pad out his album, so it's the Monster Mash, and then it's like twelve other kind of forgettable monster songs sure. but there's a couple on there i really like there's one called me and my mummy that i'm particularly fond of which is like a little doo-wop number and uh a song called scully gully that i think is pretty fun uh but then there's also a period uh where he tries to be sincere and sing actual songs hmm. like race uh, like ray stevens uh even more so than ray stevens like he's trying to be like a real pop star sure and he recorded this song called Gotta Leave This Town, which is a very emotional song about uh, uh, it's basically his life story of leaving his hometown to make it. And he just does not have the voice to sing songs. Yeah. And uh, the record, <laughs> it's it's very odd to hear him uh, really trying to be himself. Uh, and again, he was 26, 27. He was a young kid doing this. It, like it yeah. makes sense that he would do it. But uh 
I I think out of my yeah, I, my favorites are me and my mummy, the werewolf Watusi, uh, and then um, I'm 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 pretty fond of the monster rap from the eighties, <laughs> which is is a little too long. It's it's a little sure, yeah. but uh, is is a worthwhile listen. Oh my gosh! Um, speaking of songs, because this uh, this kind of floated around the internet for a while and. When I read it, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so true. But we don't know what song he's referring to in the Monster Mash because the Monster Mash is about the song that they were dancing to that was a Graveyard Smash. So I don't agree. I don't I don't. Uh, I, I tr- people will tag me in this argument and I try yes. not to, to fight with it. But technically, the Monster Mash is a dance. OK. So it's not a song. So the song Monster Mash is about a dance called the Monster Mash. So that's my 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 argument as a as a purist, as a picket purist, <laughs> yes. would be the song is accurate. It's that we don't know what the Monster Mash dance looks like. Oh, okay, so gotcha. You know, if you see, there's some concert footage of him uh, in the later years of his life where he is doing some sort of dance that I guess technically is the monster mash. That's what it is. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so if the monster mash, mash is a dance, what does it look like? And it's anybody's guess. Right. It's not like the time warp where you get instructions as to <laughs> right. how to do it. It's, it's more, you kind of have to guess like, Oh, what would a monster dance like? I was going to say, you know, take a, a zombie or a mummy or, you know, a Dracula and, However, they would move. I suppose. Yeah, and they all move so differently. Do. You know, it, it would have to be something that sort of binds them. It would have to be something pretty simple that Frankenstein could keep up. You know, like a step touch kind of. It's a very step touch. Sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> a step clap, maybe, if you yeah. want to make it a little harder. But yeah, that's that's pretty much. Uh, you know, that's that became a very big Twitter thing the last couple of years, is to to point that out. Yeah. But uh, they're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's what we do on Real True Facts. We bring you the actual real true facts. And, and, and on, yeah, and in this case, everyone is wrong. And the Monster Mash is a dance. It's not a song. <laughs> it's a song about a dance. It's a song about a dance. And I happen to think because, you know, it's coming back before the times of, of viral songs and videos. So it's coming back without the aid of that. Because when we were saying, oh, what artist sees a resurgence? And I happen to think that because of TikTok now, there's um, uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks was having that resurgence and, and she's in the viral video of like the roller skates and the cranberry juice, that guy singing, singing her song. And, you know, so, so people have resurgence of, of that. And I know when songs are on TV shows, sometimes downloads or I guess streams now, no one really downloads anything, but uh, streams kind of shoot up for an artist. But this is something that just kept coming back year after year because it really corners the market on Halloween songs. Like we have a lot of Christmas songs, but when you think about Halloween songs, that's the only one. Yeah. You know, I think um, up until the eighties, it wasn't really, if you look at Halloween stuff until the nineties, the monster mash doesn't really show up. And I think it's because it was, there were some bad, you know, record contract deals Uh, in the nineties. He signed a new contract that basically allowed licensing. And I think everything since has had it. Like there's a Simpsons Halloween episode with the monster mash, Mm -hmm. you know, um, any, yeah, any movie TV show now, uh, commercials, commercials. Yeah. And uh, I think the reason probably is it's cheap for, 
you know, the ubiquity has to serve of like, you can't have thriller, like yeah. thriller costs too much money. So, but you could have the monster mash for like, like oh, yeah, easy. You know, a fraction of that. And so I think that's, it's kind of made its money kind of being like the cheapest option for something that everybody knows. Yeah. Fun fact, I was terrified of the Monster Mash when I was a kid. I was so scared of that song. Because of his voice? Because of the voice and the chains at the end when yeah. Igor Igor is in the lab and the, uh, that it's, oh, it scared me so bad when I was a kid. I remember, I think the, I don't know if it was the first time I heard it, but I remember driving around with my cousin during Halloween and I was really little and he had this beater car that the ceiling fell in fell in on and so he kept the fabric of the ceiling up with safety pins so it was just this really <laughs> rickety car and he, he put it on a cassette tape and he's like oh let's listen to this because he's you know he's thinking this is a kid she'll enjoy it and he played it on the uh the tape player the tape deck in his car and i just oh i was like terrified and i was trying not to show him that i was scared of this song but i just i wanted it to end so badly <laughs> I guess, I mean, obviously, I think the setting of where you're listening to it might have had some play into this. Uh, <laughs> this death a, box of a Yeah, car. a death crab car, and then uh, an <laughs> evil-sounding man starts singing about monsters having fun. I yeah. like, Yeah, I guess it's not the most – maybe that is the most ideal place to hear it. <laughs> it's the best place. Yeah, but – uh, yeah, I guess I could see it, it has like, you know, a booming drum beat and then that guy's voice, if you're not expecting it, must be uh, oddly unsettling. Yeah. Oh, and Darlene Love is singing background on it? Yeah, so I, I've read a bunch of stuff. Some people confirm it's her. Some people deny. I'm pretty sure it's her. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's one of the people singing back up in this. And uh, uh, she doesn't seem to have any recollection of it ever happening, but also <laughs> probably because it was knocked off. I'm like, you know, they probably knocked off 10 songs that day. Sure. And so she yeah, doesn't remember this doofy little monster song that she sang. <laughs> on. So because we are rounding the end of our Halloween special, our Halloween monster mash, um, I wanted to get your opinion on a, a few monsters here because we have so many different classics. We've done shows on the Wolfman, the Invisible Man. Um, we did. We just did uh, Dracula, Dracula. That was our last one, and um, and then we did Frankenstein's monster. Do you have a favorite classic monster? Is there anyone out there that you were just super, uh, you know, you relate to? You, you you're empathetic towards, or you're just so terrified by? I mean, I think Frankenstein's monster is probably the the easiest one because he's he's the one that you I think garners the most empathy. Because he, you know, he was created and is a is a curse. And I, you know, I um, I dressed up as Frankenstein's monster as a kid. My little brother was born, and two days later, he came home, and it was Halloween night. And I was so one of the first times I met my little brother, I was in a full Frankenstein outfit. <laughs> so there's a picture of my like newborn infant brother and me at, at, like at six, like with bolts in my neck, and trying to look horrifying. So I don't know. I guess out of all the monsters, he's the one that always I always related to the most. Yeah. Well, first impressions are everything. Exactly. I'm sure your brother appreciates it now. Yeah, I'm, he, I'm sure he's still horrified of me. Yeah. Well, screenwriter Connor Sullivan, thank you so much for oh, yeah. coming on, talking about 
Bobby Pickett, uh, someone that I did not know I needed in my life until very recently, <laughs> but I'm glad I know. Uh, you have a new website. It's ConnorBait.com, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And you can, uh, I, I have a couple scripts up there that people can read. And, and one of them is uh, the Monster Mash script, which is called He Did the Mash. He did the match. And I think it's kind of ironic. Um, I mean, I, I would never compare you to <laughs> Bobby Pickett at all, but it's so funny because it seems like every Halloween your script kind of starts making the rounds again. <laughs> yeah, it's been I mean, that's yeah. been kind of, that's the reason I, I've put it up is because people would, you know, tag me in monster mash things. Yeah. And I was like, Well, I, I don't really like the idea of having full scripts up, but there's something about this one is is just going to keep popping up forever. <laughs> like Bob, Bobby Pickett will always be, you know, the singer of the national anthem of Halloween. So you might as well just uh, uh, enjoy and bask in his his never ending fame. I mean, uh, there are there are worse legacies to have. So that's very true. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, uh, for having me. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, you can read all of Connor's scripts that he has out there. Connorbait.com. It is live now. And you can also find us uh, Real True Facts, the Real True Podcast. We will be back uh, next week with your regularly scheduled episodes. But please enjoy this for now. And please Follow us at Real True Facts Graham. You can find more info about our shows. And send us an email at mail at realtruefactspodcast.com. We will read your questions on the air about anything that you want to know about your world around us. And I think that'll be it. David, you have anything else for us tonight? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, good. I'm just checking. Uh, so stay spooky out there, my friends, and keep questioning your world. Because just because you read about it or hear about it doesn't mean it's true. We'll see you next time. Bye.